Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Resilience Movement podcast. And today we're talking about being a resilient mother, but specifically a resilient mother with a child who has nonverbal autism. And so I have a guest here today and her name's Stephanie Cox. And those of you who know me, Stephanie is my daughter. She's one of three daughters um, and she has Tristan, my grandson, who is now four years old. So, um, Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming along. And I hope that listeners out there can relate or maybe they'll pass the information on to other mothers and fathers who are going through something similar. So I'll ask you some questions and then you can just um, give some information and maybe some tips for other parents. So how long have you been a mum? Four years. Okay, and can you describe Tristan for me? Uh, Tristan is a very happy, energetic, intelligent, sometimes goofy, and extremely strong-willed. Right, and can we also describe strong-willed as... Very stubborn like his mother. (laughs) Okay, and so when we look back, or when you look back, I should say, um, when did you know that things weren't quite right with Tristan? Tristan started showing signs of delayed development at about two and a half years old. He was saying a range of words when he was about 10 months old and at two and a half, his speech severely declined. Right. And when you say severely declined, describe some of the things that you saw or didn't see anymore. Um, His speech just stopped. He went basically mute and started only using sounds to communicate so screaming or reaching for things or just throwing little tantrums to try and get what he wanted without saying the words okay and so um when this started to occur what what brought your attention to it that you then felt you needed to go and get seek some professional advice it was actually a couple of family members that um displayed concern for Tristan's development I didn't actually want to admit it to myself what parent does no one wants to admit that there's something that possibly could be wrong with their child not that autism is something wrong with your child it is not it just means they're wired differently and you've just got to work with them differently I like that description just wired differently so um, and so then what was the next steps for you Uh, The next step was basically doing some research yourself and then having to go to the GP to get a referral to go to a specialist. Okay. And how, you know, are you feeling at this point knowing that um, you've now got a referral and you're going to a specialist? How are you um, feeling? And what about Tristan's dad? Um, The feeling that you get at this stage is you're very overwhelmed. You don't know what's going to happen what they're going to say and yeah you're a bit scared that there possibly could be something going on with your child and you kind of blame yourself thinking well what did I do to cause this but it's nothing that the parent actually does scientifically it never been proven so (laughs) um but at the time you're feeling like it's something that you guys have done you definitely blame yourself Right, and and at the point now, when you reflect back now, do you feel that way at all? No, 
Okay. Not is that all. because you have a different understanding of what autism is? Once you get the uh, specialist and assessment for ASD, you kind of it kind of opens your eyes a lot more to what's actually going on, and it is nothing that you could have done. And for those that don't know, what what is ASD? ASD is Autism Spectrum Disorder. There's three levels to this, one, two, and three. One is obviously minor, um, two, medium, and three, severe. Okay, and where did Tristan come out once the diagnosis happened? Where did he come out on those levels? Tristan has a diagnosis of level three ASD. Okay. Nonverbal. And can you tell um, everyone listening about the process of going to the specialist and what that was like for you? So the process, I think, is a little bit silly in my opinion. They get you and your partner or just yourself, whoever is going to the assessment um, in one room to speak to one of the assessors and they just ask you questions about your child and how they interact with you at home. And then the other assessor has your child in a room. So your child is to sit in a room with a complete stranger for about an hour alone. Um, they play with toys and see how they interact and if they make any verbal communication with them at all. So I don't actually like the process, the way they have diagnosed my son. They don't show you interacting with your child at all at home or anything like that so how do they know how your child plays with someone that they know instead of a complete stranger mm. so and obviously there's some rhyme or reason to their process but um once you get the report back so you've now done this process and you've got a report back that says he's level three asd and um what were your thoughts on the report that you got I don't actually like the way that they worded it at all. Um, so the person that observed my child actually wrote in the report that my son didn't show empathy, was in her personal space and made her feel uncomfortable. And um, when she pretended to cry, he didn't show any emotion towards her whatsoever. Mm. Uh, I don't actually like the way that they worded that because how can a three-year-old make a grown adult uncomfortable by being in their space yeah so it was and I personally read the report and I found the language in the report a little strange for a professional to then um, the way that they've actually described a, a three-year-old child that has never met them before and how they uh, interacted so but having said that what would you say um, when it comes to some challenges what are the biggest challenges for you today um, knowing that you've got the diagnosis knowing that you've got some strategies in place what come across as the biggest challenges for you um, as, as Tristan being four years old um, I would say preparing for school his meltdowns and his behavior because next year he will be five and he is meant to be going to school I get a bit concerned of what his behavior would be like in school or how he would communicate with someone that doesn't really know him mm. and so what about um, are there some other challenges at different times that you have that are really hard to um, I guess cope with yep so his 
uh, when he is sick or hurts himself, it's really hard to know what's actually going on with him without verbal communication. So if he's got an earache, you've got to try and determine where he is feeling pain. Mm. And of course, when someone can't speak, then that's hard. So so can I now ask you about um, what are some routines that you've been able to get Tristan into that you think uh, really help with his behavior? So his sleep routines, always keeping him in a routine of having a nap after lunchtime so that his meltdowns are extremely reduced. Um, if he doesn't have a nap during the day, then by about 4 p.m. he's just bouncing off the walls, throwing tantrums, not actually knowing what he wants, just getting upset and emotional about everything. Mm. And what about um, when you uh, take Tristan shopping? So uh, we're actually going to split the conversation here in the sense because obviously I'm Nana and so when we all, because we go shopping together, what what's your experience when you go shopping with Tristan? Um, so when I go shopping with Tristan, I actually like to have him in the trolley with Nanny. And then I kind of guard the trolley. <laughs> I don't like how people react to Tristan in the shop. Most people don't understand autism. So he can be quite loud with, if we walk past the watermelons, for example, he wants the entire watermelon, but he can't have it. So he gets quite upset and will be quite loud. So you get a lot of looks from people, a lot of snarky comments like what a naughty child he needs a smack well no my child doesn't need a smack he needs adults to actually understand that my child's just a little bit different and if he wants to be loud he's going to be loud because they don't own the store mm. so now from my perspective i'll take you through the process of when we go grocery shopping and you know you could easily say well we're not going to take him grocery shopping because it's very challenging um, and it is very challenging even from my perspective uh, but it's actually really important to have him interacting and also teaching him so when we go shopping we get out of the car we have the shopping bags Tristan always holds our hand and he's not reluctant to do that so he holds our hand and we walk up the escalators and then we get in and we get a trolley and he willingly gets into the trolley um, and then it begins. So we go past the apples first. And Tristan doesn't eat apples, but he loves to hold an apple um, and is very good at throwing them too. But we try to get him to just hold them. So generally, we will give him an apple to hold, but we don't give him everything that he wants. Um, and as we're going around, like we're still in the fruit and veg aisle and screaming and meltdowns are happening. But I found that when I hold his hands and push the trolley and I'm just gently rubbing the tops of his hands, he calms quite quickly. But in the meantime, we've got people staring and, and as Stephanie said, the really snarky comments. But as we go round, Tristan tends to remember, he's very intelligent and he remembers where things are. So we get to the chicken crimpies and he wants, you know, we'll put those in the trolley and um if he's hungry, we do give him something to eat, of course, and he's still quite happy. But when we get to the toys, he will then have another, and we know it's a tantrum because it happens when you get to certain places 
in the shopping center. And so there's times where when he is chucking a tantrum, you have to be very careful because he's quite strong. And so I'm, I'm very likely at times to get a slap across the face because I'm not quick enough. But he's lashing out. Um, it's not going to help to smack his bottom. It's not going to help to do things. It's really about calming him, but not giving him the toy because he's misbehaved in that way. So it's really about reinforcing um, positive behavior and not reinforcing the negative behavior. What would you add to that, Steph? Anything? No, I think you covered everything. It, if you get angry at them, they tend to just melt down more. Whereas if you calm them down and then say something positive to them because they have calmed down and keep it positive, mm. then they're a lot easier to get through the rest of the shop with yeah um and one of the things that i feel you have to do is you really have to figure out what works for each child and for tristan when i say it's okay and i keep saying it's okay and i rub the top of his hands he actually responds quite quickly and calms down you know really quickly uh sometimes he doesn't because he just wants that thing but if we move past that um, he can he gets over it quite quickly and when we get to the checkout again he's trying to reach for things so we calm him and we move the trolley into places but he screams and we um, Stephanie will often say to someone I'm sorry because his scream if you can imagine like an opera singer it's actually quite high pitched and can vibrate your eardrums it, it's that higher pitch um, so when that's happening, of course, you'll get the stairs and the people moving away and so forth. And that's just something that, that we have to live with because that's people's judgment. So um, what would you say are some of, the, um, some of the milestones that you have found with Tristan recently? Recently, he's been doing really well with showing empathy. So... Sometimes it can actually be quite upsetting because of the heightened emotions that he has. So lately he's been showing a lot of empathy where if there's something sad in one of his movies that he's watching, he will then start actually sobbing to the point of we're like, oh my God, there's something wrong. <laughs> but no, he's just getting upset because the person in the movie is sad. But when he's been throwing tantrums or doing something wrong lately if he throws a toy at you or hits you or pinches you he's been doing really well to work on saying sorry and coming in giving a cuddle or a kiss to apologize yeah so when he is doing uh when he is doing that and he has chucked a tantrum we together have actually started giving him a time out where we just walk with him because if we ask to hold his hand he holds our hand and we walk with him and he sits on his bed for a little while and he has a time out but i we have to sit there with him whoever takes him in there and once we do that and we say um is it time to say sorry he then will say sorry and and give a hug so um what would you say are some of the funny things that he does um when he smacks himself and then says ouch <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty entertaining and i don't know why he started doing it i think because when he hurts one of us we actually say ouch to acknowledge that it is hurting us 
Um, so now he will occasionally like hit his own hand and then say ouch or hit his own head and then say ouch. Um, yeah, so that that's quite interesting to watch, isn't it? And um, another thing he does is he... Uh, Filling up bowls. Yeah. So if you've got a big packet of chips out and you've put a couple in his bowl, you can't turn your back for two seconds because he'll grab the entire packet and try and tip the entire packet into his bowl to fill up his bowl because he doesn't want to miss out on things. <laughs> he would like to have it all. Or he'll quickly stuff things in his mouth so that he can have more so that you don't eat all the Maltesers on him. So um, you have been um, living back here with me now since about September last year. And from September last year to now, talk me through his eating and how his eating habits have changed a bit. Um, his eating habits have increased an amazing amount. Before moving here, he would just eat yogurt, jam sandwiches, muesli bars, chips, um, declined everything else. Now, since living with Nanny and having that stability around us and more routine, he actually sits at the table every dinner time with us and he will eat some of his food. Obviously, his food variety is quite low. He doesn't like a lot of things, but we do encourage him to try it all. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is one of the other funny aspects of um, autism. Like when he knows he likes a food, he will just eat that food. Uh, but for us, the, the routine of sitting down at the dinner table, um, we will put the same food on his plate that we put on our plate. Now, it doesn't mean to say he's going to eat it yet, but we hope that one day, and of course, we have to put some food in his mouth. Now, I can make homemade pizza and he can devour it one day, but then the next day he won't have a bar of it. Or a week later, he'll decide that he doesn't want a bar of that. And the funny thing for me is when we have carrots on our plates, he loves carrots. And again, like the apples, not to eat, he actually wants to feed mum the carrots. So this is such a slow, time-consuming process. And, and I think, too, uh, sometimes very, very exhausting. But, um, yeah, we just have to hang in there, don't we? Yep. And you go to bed exhausted, you wake <laughs> up exhausted. But you still push through the day because it doesn't matter what you have to do. Every day is good with an autistic child. Um, now, what do you think are some support needs that you have had or you think would be helpful for other people? that I think would be helpful other, for other people. Mm. Um, just having a good support system around you, basically. Um, if you don't have a good support system around you, there is places that can support you. Like, I fortunately have great family around me now. I didn't in the past, but I do now. So that's takes a lot of stress off me. If you don't have family support around you, then reach out to friends or there's a lot of social networks that are there for you for instance i watch a lot of fathering autism videos on facebook and youtube and i'm also a member of the autism parents australia page and they no matter the situation if your child is having a meltdown and you've just had enough and you're at your breaking point they're really there for you and can give you some helpful advice Okay, 
So for those of you who are going through this or you know someone who is going through um, having a child with autism or nonverbal autism, whatever it might be, Asperger's, um, there's lots of different um, special needs out there. Um, reach out to people and you'll actually see that someone's going through something similar to you and they might have a strategy that works for you. Um, the reason we put this on the resilience movement page as well is because there's things on there about self-care, making sure you can recharge your batteries as well because a tired mum or dad is a tired mum or dad and unless you get to recharge those batteries coping with the next day or the next hour can be really difficult so i hope you've enjoyed this thanks very much steph for doing this with me because i think it's really valuable <laughs> and um, we'll speak to you next time on the next episode so stay tuned. Make sure you um, like our Facebook page, The Resilience Movement, and you'll see more podcasts up there in the future. Thanks very much.